Hi, everybody. My name is Ashley Matthews. I'm the pastors here at Trinity. It is so good to be with you. Y'all, we are very excited about these in-person services, but it also feels like a real gift to still be able to worship together this way with all of you in your homes. So we just want to encourage you. If you're not able to join us in person for our in-person services, that's okay. Uh, keep worshiping together in your homes as you're able. And if you still want to pick up communion kits, you can. Uh, just remember to come by our offices Monday through Thursday, attended to to pick those up so that you all can celebrate communion with us in your homes as you've been doing. All right, if you have Bibles, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have spent these uh, last couple of weeks talking about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, primarily through the words of Jesus in the Gospels. And this week we're going to shift gears just a little bit and spend time uh, in the New Testament, latter parts of the New Testament, in this letter from Paul, thinking together specifically about the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, Now I know, and many of you know, that this is where it probably gets a little more complicated for a lot of us. Many of us are very comfortable with the idea of the Holy Spirit as a comforter or paraclete, the one who comes to us, gives us peace, comforts us, uh, helps us to pray. But probably fewer of us are as familiar or as comfortable even with the idea of the Holy Spirit of Pentecost, you know, the one who empowers and anoints and gives uh, spiritual gifts. And I know this is true because I spent uh, many of my life feeling exactly that same way, a little unsure or a little uncertain, or assuming that maybe that Holy Spirit was for a certain kind of person. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is one spirit, the same spirit, the spirit of Paraclete, our comforter, and the spirit of Pentecost, both the same spirit and available to each and every Christian. So we're going to look together at Paul's letter and see what he has to say, what the Lord has to say to us about this uh, work of the Spirit. And I just want to admit to all of you that uh, I know that that assumption, that maybe the Spirit of Pentecost, this one who gives gifts, is maybe only for certain people or certain Christians, that that assumption, and frankly that lie, is what's kept too many of us from having the kind of faith and the experience of God that we're meant to have. So let's see what Paul has to say for us, what the Lord has to say. We'll read and then we'll pray together. This is chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, God, we are so thankful for this time, this space together to be able, Lord, um, to be in your presence, to sit with your word. And we do now, Lord, look to you. We open up our hearts and our minds. In this instance, literally our hands. And we ask you, God, to come and fill the space. Close the gap, all that might separate or stand between us and you. Help us to hear you, Jesus. We look to you, Lord, the God of all comfort and peace. Our paraclete and the empowerer of our faith. We love you, Lord, and in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, this 
letter in 1 Corinthians is, of course, being written to uh, this church in Corinth. And Paul is writing this letter in response to letters he's received, questions he's been asked about what it means to be the church and to live as Christians in the city of Corinth. And one of the things that they're asking about is about spiritual gifts. One of the questions they have is, what do we do with things like prophecy and healing and speaking in tongues? How does it work? What does it mean? Many of the same questions that a lot of us are uh, still asking. And I think in these just few verses, just seven verses, Paul has three really important things to say to us about the gifts of the Spirit. There are three of them in just these seven verses. The first of which is this, faith is a spiritual gift. It's the first thing that Paul says. He begins by reminding these Christians who've asked about spiritual gifts that the very first gift, the very first work of the Holy Spirit is in fact to enable every single Christian to make a profession of faith, to say the words, Jesus is Lord. So whether you're able to say them with confidence and you have the kind of faith that could uh, move mountains or you say them in a kind of whisper or prayer um, through all your doubts, questions, and fears. Either way, if you are a Christian, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, Paul is saying you are someone who has already experienced the supernatural work of God, a gift from the Holy Spirit. Faith is a spiritual gift, and if you are a Christian, you have it. You are a bearer of gifts. Now, you might understandably say, oh, that doesn't really count. <laughs> you know, my faith maybe happened over a long time or it came about really naturally for me. It's not the same thing as some of these other gifts that Paul's talking about later on in the chapter, something like prophecy or praying in tongues or something like that. But here's what I want to say is I actually think that's exactly Paul's point. What if something like um, prophecy or speaking in tongues, some of these other gifts that maybe feel or seem less familiar to us, what if they could come about just as gradually or just as naturally to you in the same way that your faith did? So that by the time um, you were a receiver of this gift, it felt as natural to you as your own faith. I think that's in part exactly what Paul is saying, trying to get us to imagine that you've already experienced the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. He has been at work in you to move you to faith. That's not a natural thing, even though it feels natural to you. To say Jesus is Lord is, in fact, maybe for many of us, some of the most, one of the most unnatural things we could do. And yet, that is the profession we've made. So what if that same Spirit could move through you to do similar things, other things, give other gifts? not as a violation of who you are, but a fulfillment, rather, of who you are. As I was thinking about this, um, this story came to mind from a book that I love called Run With the Horses by Eugene Peterson. Uh, he tells this story in one of the early chapters about watching a pair of swallows who were trying to teach their baby chicks how to fly. And he says he, he watched them for hours, and he uh, noticed that they were very intentionally leading these chicks out of the nest onto a branch and then encouraging them, them, sometimes literally pushing them off of the branch to get them to fly. And he tells a story about this one particularly stubborn chick, that there was this one that just like didn't want to budge and he was uh, grasping onto the branch. So much so that even when they pushed him, he just like swung around to the bottom, still holding on to the branch by his talons. And then the parents began to peck at his feet until he releases from the branch uh, and begins to fly. And this is what Peterson has to say um, about that scene and how it moved in him. He says this, he says, Birds have feet and can walk. Birds have talons 
and can grasp a branch securely. They can walk, they can cling, but flying is their characteristic action. And not until they fly are they living at their best, gracefully and beautifully. I wonder if in my own life um, I have been too reticent to fly, uh, you know, to embrace spiritual gifts, to live into the fullness of the Spirit, maybe, is what Paul's saying. And in so doing, I've actually violated a part of my nature, withheld something that ought to be a characteristic action of who I am, of who we are. So faith is a spiritual gift, the first thing Paul says. And then related, he says this, this is the second point, spiritual gifts cannot be earned, only received or refused. So the trouble for a lot of us is that once we've received the gift of, of faith, this profession of faith, to say Jesus is Lord, that's where we stop. And we profess faith, but then we forget to ask that same spirit to empower our faith. So I receive the spirit who comes to me to comfort me and give me faith, but then I don't ask him uh, to like move through me. And Paul is saying that same spirit who comes to you and gives you peace now does in fact want to move through you so that you can do the kind of stuff that actually changes people's lives and deepens your own faith. That's the way this works. He gives gifts as a way of empowering you and working through you. These spiritual gifts, Paul says, are called charismata. Uh, It comes from a Greek word charis, which in English we translate uh, to mean grace. So these gifts are literally graces given by God. Now this is the thing that, of course, we all know about grace and how it works. Grace, the love of God, the mercy of God, is not something I can earn. It is only to be either received or refused. I cannot earn it. And so what Paul is saying, similarly, is that these gifts are literally graces given by God. You can't earn them. You can only receive them or refuse them. And I think this is so important because if we're honest, the reality is is that probably a lot of us, as we were saying in the beginning, have decided that spiritual gifts really are probably only for a certain kind of Christian, you know, and that I'm just maybe never going to be that kind of Christian. Only certain types of people get those kinds of gifts. But that's just not true. When Paul started this part of his letter, it's not like he begins it with a parenthetical that says, uh, now this section of the letter is only reserved for those who are super spiritual and very feely. Uh, Everyone else, you know, close your ears, this is not for you. Uh, No, Paul assumes that spiritual gifts are going to be something that is for every Christian, that is a part of every uh, Christian's life. Uh, Now, you may be thinking, well, maybe. For other people, it's just impossible uh, for me to imagine. Well, what about this? Paul says later on in chapter 14, he says these words very simply, pursue love and spiritual gifts. Pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I think that is such a powerful verse. And it's easy to imagine it sort of being said more broadly and generally to everybody else, but what if we heard it like this? What if I read it, Ashley, pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts? What if you read it with your name at the beginning of it? You. Pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And you might be thinking, I just, you know, I don't know. 
I just, nah, it's just not me. I, I'm really okay not being a prophet, and, you know, praying in tongues just really isn't my style, so, you know, I'm all right. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, grace is just like uh, every grace that God gives. Um, it is for you, but it is not about you. Ultimately, what God is doing is something bigger even than you. Every grace I receive, I receive as a gift, and it is for me. I receive the benefit of God's love, his mercy, his goodness towards me, but I have to remember that even while it is for me, it is not ultimately about me. It's in the service of something bigger that I get to be, by God's grace, a part of. And that leads us to the third point, which is exactly that. Your gifts are for you, but not about you. Paul says in verse 7, the end of this passage, to each is given the manifestation uh, of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So what he's saying is the reason that we receive spiritual gifts is ultimately in the service of something bigger than us, the common good. In this instance, we mean specifically the building up and strengthening uh, of the church. The grace God gives me is for me, but not about me, uh, in other words. As I was sitting with that thought, I was reminded of this uh, really uh, beautiful scene in The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Father Christmas comes, and uh, he's going to present gifts to all the kids. He gives to one, uh, I think, a shield and a sword, another a bow and some arrows, and another a horn. And he says to the kids, he says, uh, kids, remember, these are presents. Your presents, they are, they are tools, not toys as each of them receives uh, their gift. They are tools, uh, not toys. And I think that's such an important and helpful uh, distinction when we think about how the spiritual gifts work. A toy is something that exists for my own pleasure and benefit, but a tool is something that's meant to be leveraged in the service of of building something. And in this case, that something, of course, is the church, uh, the body of believers. And the way that this works is that I'm given my gift so that I can bless you. And in so doing, you are blessed to then turn and use your gifts to bless the people around you. And in that way, we build something together, something really powerful, something uh, really important. It's like you remember that scene in the book of Nehemiah when they're tasked with this whole crowd of people with rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. They all have their tools. They all go to work, and in so doing, they start to rebuild the wall together. Uh, Here's my feeling, y'all, is that there are too many of us who are leaving our tools untouched. God has put tools in your hands. And if we refuse to use, use them for whatever reason, then what ends up happening is that over time, breaches begin to form in the walls. Our body weakens. Because faith and the work of the Spirit um, has weakened, ultimately. I think that's exactly what what Paul is saying, is that while for you, it is ultimately um, not about you. That we have something to do together. And if we don't, each of us sort of play our part in doing that very thing, then um, the whole structure becomes compromised. And I'll just tell you, to that point, it's a lot harder to walk away from or break a relationship with someone because of who they voted for, if you've had the experience of having that person lay their hands on you and feeling the work of the Spirit work through them to bless your life. 
it's a lot harder to walk away from that relationship and that person if that's happened to you. I have experienced things in this church that I'm just not willing to live without. And so if that means occasionally I have to endure disagreeing with you, then I guess that's just the way that it'll be. Because in this body, the Spirit dwells. There's freedom here. There's life here. And I want to be a part of it. We are meant to be a part of it together. And sitting with this passage and that idea of Nehemiah and rebuilding the wall, I just, I believe that the Lord has laid hammer and nails at our feet and he is looking at you and me and asking if we will join him, y'all, in this season of so much loss and so much uncertainty. Will we work with him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? Or are we going to stand back from our tools and watch and wait for someone else, something else? I think there's an invitation here for us. And what that means, most simply, is just this. All you have to be willing to do is to open your hands and your heart and say, okay, come Holy Spirit, put tools in my hands so that I can build with Jesus. I think that's the invitation. And I want to put a really practical invitation uh, in front of you as we close. Many of you are probably thinking, I don't exactly know um, beyond that prayer what to do. But if, if you're interested in these next few weeks and leaning into the person work and gifts of the Holy Spirit, I have a recommendation for you, and it is uh, this book, which is called 40 Days with the Holy Spirit by Jack Levinson. I love this book. It's so good, and it reads like, like a devotional. It's over 40 days, of course, and I'll just tell you that um, from today, this Sunday, the 15th, from now until Christmas Eve, is exactly 40 days. So if you would like to spend these next few weeks leaning into, praying for the work and gifts, the person and comfort of the Holy Spirit, then this might be an excellent resource, a way for you to do that really practically, spend some time in prayer uh, and in reflection. I commend it to you. It's excellent. All right. I have just a couple of questions for you all who are interested in spending some time in discussion with your groups, uh, we'll go through these questions and then we'll move into a time of quiet reflection individually for us to sit uh, and pray and worship together. So the first question maybe for you just to consider or think about with your group is, is this. What experiences have you had of spiritual gifts in and outside of the body? What has been your experience of spiritual gifts? Maybe just share uh, those stories uh, together. And then secondly, what fears, reservations maybe, do you have about asking for spiritual gifts? Can you name those? Just take a second to think through them. And then if you're comfortable, share them together. All right. Now let's take some space to be still, quiet our hearts. I want to encourage you, close your eyes, open your hands. Let's just pray together. Come. Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's take the next couple minutes to respond to the Holy Spirit. You can lift your hands or close your eyes. Let's just pray. Come Holy Spirit. Come have your way.
We'll just sit in this together. Lord, come and fill us up. God, fill us with your power. Fill us with your presence, Lord. Lord, we overflow with your goodness your mercy and your justice, God, and your kindness. Come have your way in us. And fill us with your presence, God power have your way in us come Holy Spirit come Lord Jesus come have your way in us we send you out from this time of worship let's pray the Lord's prayer together our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.